0: The first family have settled in brilliantly and making amazing changes to the landscape, already improving the biodiversity of the area. The release of a beaver
1: family late last year here on Tom Bowser's land at Argety near Dune was an important milestone for Scotland's beavers.
0: We've got beaver channels being cut up in the pond, turned it from a pond and an area of floodwater to one expanded wetland. We've got insects coming in and landing on the nod trees getting the sap source from there, we've got otters coming in, attracted by the beaver smells, herons coming and fishing in the canals, amazing things happening already and this is just winter so we can't wait for the spring and summer when things really explode down there.
1: The Scottish Government declared reintroduced beavers to be a protected species in 2019 but helping them to spread by moving them was banned. The Argeti release marked the first small change to that policy permitting a move of beavers to a new site but within a river catchment where they already lived. But a much bigger policy change was announced around the same time as the Argeti release to allow translocation of beavers in future to anywhere in Scotland where the landowners want them. This was hailed by conservationists as a game changer. That's because as well as the benefits that beaver dams bring by slowing flood water and providing rich wetland habitats, they flood farmers' fields. More than 200 of them were shot under license because they caused these problems in 2019 and 2020. And it was hoped this change would help save many more of the animals by providing
0: many more translocation options. We're really delighted to have our second family of beavers being relocated to Argety today.
1: Last week, the need for translocation sites was highlighted by a second release of a
0: family of five beavers here at Argety. It's still just such a thrill to be the first private landowners to be moving beavers. So we're really excited to have them here and we really hope the next ones will settle here and enjoy it just as much.
1: They'd come from a farm in Perthshire run by Jill Spaulding's family.
2: For the past two years, we've actually welcomed beavers up into the farm. And it's been really good. Initially, they created a, a nice little dam in a, a pond area. It was nice to see the change in the habitat. We lost some of our water margins and things like that. Uh, There's quite a bit of flooding on the field, but we tolerated it initially because, you know, that it, it was nice to have the wildlife there. As the years went on, uh, we see the family sizes started growing significantly. And there was just seven beavers all in one little enclosed area. And we were starting to lose all of our trees as well so we had some beaver mitigations on the go so we tried the the flow pipes and uh, the tree guards and the painting of the trees as well but these super beavers created a, a huge dam which was incredible it was two and a half meters high and a depth of 10 feet I think it would be about 20 meters long and then they created six more of those up through the farm in certain areas of the farm we've kept for wetland areas and set aside for wildlife and we've planted quite a lot of riparian woodland there but sadly they didn't like to stay up in that bit and they're like right down next to the steadings and one of the farm cottages as well so the water levels were rising up quite rapidly it started to get a bit tricky hence we've uh, decided to relocate them i initially contacted nature scott to ask for some advice as a family, we're keen to promote biodiversity, and we enjoy the wildlife on the farm, and we actively encourage it as well. But we could see that this was becoming a bit unsustainable, you know, when the harvests are coming in, and you could see the great big channels where the beavers have come into the field and eaten quite a lot of the barley and the wheat, and also the flooding caused bad drainage problems. So even within fields that are not next to the barn, the drainage wasn't really working, so... They had cut about 50 trees um, down and I was very conscious that these were a whole range of trees that we'd previously planted and protected against the deer and things like that and the beavers were just coming in and just making super dams. So I said, right, the population's getting a bit too much, we need to relocate them somewhere. So initially they weren't going to be relocated in Scotland but then the new act came through and they were allowed to, to do that and We're allowed to keep them in Scotland instead of... Um, transferring them down to England. They're good, strong, healthy beavers and they're, uh, they've got good attitude on them. My family aren't keen on shooting at all, but I understand that it could have probably resulted into that if there was no option. Getting a licence for shooting was quicker than getting the relocation licence. So, But we persisted and I think the Scottish Government has a lot to do with making things easier for landowners to get this relocation rather than shooting. The Scottish Government really need to make it easier for landowners to relocate rather than shooting.
1: So your advice to other farmers in the situation that you are in is what?
2: I would say definitely be in contact with nature, Scott. Be patient. It takes it takes a good couple of weeks trapping these beavers. Um, they don't just merrily go into a cage. They they have to be enticed and I understand the frustrations um, but definitely a bit of patience and maybe one day there there will be some schemes to help landowners out, like accommodate more biodiversity within their land without the hardship of losing fences and crops and the drainage and things like that. These are all really important.
1: But no out-of-catchment translocations have happened yet, and while a national strategy is being worked out, there aren't even any more licence applications for beaver translocations being processed. So when will more translocations start happening and start saving beavers' lives? Will farming interests be protected? How will that national strategy actually work? And importantly, will there be any new government money to support this policy? Francesca Ososka is Chief Executive of the Government Wildlife Agency NatureScot which has to tackle these issues and I asked her first when the strategy would be ready.
3: That'll come out in the summer and what that will do is detail how we want to manage beaver across Scotland, what the requirements will be in terms of people who want to receive beavers and what are some of the practical implications in terms of trapping beavers, ensuring that we maintain their health throughout the the process. It'll also think about how we engage with different communities about beaver introduction into their area, the different stakeholders involved, and which new areas of the country are going to be suitable for beavers to be received.
1: How soon will we get translocation started though? Translocations are out with the range?
3: Yeah, so we have already translocated beaver from Scotland to England. So last year we moved 13 female and 12 male beavers to um, England. Um, but in terms of applications to go uh, wider, you know, then if people want to register their interest with uh, NatureScot now, they can. But we will process and begin processing those applications after the National Beaver Strategy is agreed in the summer.
1: So it's going to be another sort of six months before we get any even approaching translocations.
3: Um, well, these things take time, and what I would say is, you know, definitely this year we will be, you know, hoping to uh, translocate beavers across Scotland, and if people do want to to receive beaver um, on their land, then start the conversation with us now. We won't be, as I said, processing applications until the strategy is finalised, which I think is right. But it is really helpful to have conversations with us ahead of that point so that we can talk through what might need to be in place. It's really important that, as well as the landowner who wants to receive beavers uh, on their land, that we understand the implications for the whole catchment, for the landowners, neighbours. So it's good to start those conversations early because the process itself is going to take a bit of time.
1: And meanwhile, the same situation will continue where we've had 200 beavers shot and we're going to go into the prime control season. This is going to mean there's going to be another 100 shot this year, isn't it?
3: Well, not necessarily. Um, so we know from our previous discussions that there are the landowners and the areas where there are conflict issues, and there's a range of ways that we want to reduce the conflict between humans and beavers. And lethal control is is always a last resort. And there are other ways that we um, work with landowners, whether it's, you know, looking at their dams, it's looking at how water courses are being changed from beaver um, manoeuvres. So we look at all these different kind of areas first before we move on to lethal control. And we know that there are a range of sites that we've identified where rather than move to lethal control, there's been a kind of conflict identified, and the landowners are really keen to look at translocation as an alternative to the last resort of lethal control so we will continue those conversations and as I said if we have willing landowners who wish to receive beavers then they should be in contact with us now and I would hope that um, we would be able to absolutely reduce the number of beaver that are being lethally controlled from the numbers that you've said. I've been talking a lot about private landowners. Obviously, there's the public estate as well, whether it's the national parks, uh, forestry and land Scotland sites. So we are working with our public partner colleagues to identify sites as well.
1: You mentioned all the mitigation measures there, but they're all happening already. They've been happening for, for the last two years, and yet we've still had you know, 200 beavers shot or whatever we haven't had the figures for last year yet so we are still in the situation until we get more translocations and more places to take the beavers to we're still in the same position aren't we where farmers will reach for the gun
3: i think the difference and what is changing is land managers and land owners including farmers and crofters understanding of beavers so i would not completely agree with farmers just reaching for the gun. Our relationships with them have changed. We're working more actively with them on different mitigations. We want to be in a situation whereby we are managing down conflict as much as possible, managing that down where beavers remain in their locale, working with farmers, landowners, crofters and others to ensure that people and beavers can coexist as well as using translocations where that's necessary so I don't take for granted that people are reaching for the gun.
1: Once we get a translocation policy in place which will be the summer, July maybe do you think? I I hope so yes. Do you see that as making a serious difference to the number of lethal control licenses issued, the number of beavers being shot?
3: Absolutely and as I said earlier it's, it's a really important tool in the toolbox and a tool that you know we in nature Scott would have liked for, for some time so yes, I see that it will make a big difference.
1: When it comes to translocations, will we have like a hierarchy of mitigation whereby landowners have to try trapping? or the beaver-deceiver devices, or or dam removal, before they can turn to shooting. We have some some sort of constraint on licences. Is that going to change?
3: So lethal control is always a last resort option. That doesn't change with the introduction of translocation. What it means is that we have more options before we get to that last resort point of lethal control.
1: When you say more options, that would be presumably more opportunities to trap beavers does that mean you're going to significantly invest in more trappers in more people to go out and do it because at the moment there's only really one person doing it
3: absolutely and and in terms of you know you've asked in terms of the, the different mitigations is that the trapping and release yes it is the ability to translocate to more places in scotland that gives us another tool before we get to lethal control but in terms of the the resource yes we are investing in additional staff within Nature Scott to support translocation and we know that there's going to have to be additional support for trapping, for you know, consultation with communities, for thinking about the veterinary health of beavers when they're trapped and before they're released.
1: Do we know how much money will be on the table for this
3: yet? Not yet, no, that's something that we're still working through.
1: But it would have to be considerable sums of money, hundreds of thousands of pounds at least.
3: I, I couldn't put a, a figure on that at the moment, but we know that in order to support this policy, we are going to have to resource it. So that's what we're looking at.
1: Right, a big pile of cash.
3: Um, if there's a magic money tree, please come and shake it near nature, Scott.
1: That is going to be a problem though, isn't it? Because you're looking for money to do to carry out this policy and there are all sorts of financial constraints on government. It's not going to be easy to get the money to do this, is it?
3: Well, it's it's part of our business plan for the year. We are looking at the different resource demands that um, are required. It's a commitment from the, the Butte House Agreement and we're committed to delivering it. So we're working through those resourcing options and I'm confident that we'll be able to deal with them.
1: So there'll be money for trapping, uh, relocation, mitigation, environmental impact assessments. Uh, consultation,
3: that, those kind of yeah, things? yeah. That, well, that, those are all all of those um, elements are, the, uh, are what we're looking at at the moment.
1: When landowners agree to have beavers rehomed, will there be measures in place to help the neighbours, who then may have beavers on their ground? They don't want them. There may be particular circumstances that where the beavers could cause them problems with their agricultural operation or whatever.
3: So I think that that's a, a you know really interesting question, and I would hope that that would be looked at before any particular landowner is receiving beaver. If there's a a neighbour where this is going to be a very conflictual um, situation, then I think one of the questions I'd be asking, well, is this the the best place to, to release beaver? So part of the relocation, translocation process will be community engagement and thinking about the different stakeholders in an area that are going to be affected. So that I would see as being worked through as part of the application process.
1: What about compensation for those neighbours, those people who are affected by beavers?
3: So there's a, a mitigation scheme at the moment and we've got no plans to, to change that. But as I said, I think if we are in a in a situation whereby the near neighbour of a landowner receiving beaver finds themselves in a in a conflictual situation or a situation which requires mitigation then we would want to understand whether that is the best place for the beaver to be rehomed.
1: So five neighbours of Tom Bowser at Argetty objected to the beavers being relocated there, but that was deemed to be a suitable place for them. So if we can have that level of objection from neighbours and still go ahead, doesn't that raise a question for other people who might have uh, their neighbours having beavers on their
3: land? We will assess every application on its merits and yes, I'm kind of aware that in that case there were some objections. We look at that and obviously decide on whether we think that the beaver uh, translocation can go ahead or not and in uh, the Argati case we were confident that it could, the Scottish beaver mitigation scheme does exist to help and provide practical uh, on-the-ground assistance to mitigate the impacts of beavers and I'm sure we'll be working with, with Tom's neighbours on that. But you know, returning to my original point, I think it's really important that in any application for beaver translocation We are looking at the impact not just on the particular landowner but uh, more widely and that's on how that happens and the information that we require to to make that assessment will be part of the strategy. I think it's important that people understand that we need to go through these quite detailed discussions and get the evidence on these different issues rather than just jump in to a a, a translocation policy without having done that detailed work.
1: But what about direct compensation or an incentive for farmers to to have beavers on their ground? I mean, I've I've spoken to beaver experts who suggest that we we can't go on just removing the beavers because eventually there won't be anywhere to take them. And it would be better if the policy was to help landowners to live with the animals where they are. And that would probably involve uh, financial compensation Is this possible?
3: We have to accept that at the moment there there are areas of Scotland where it is difficult for beaver to establish themselves without kind of damaging areas of land. But what we're doing through the Scottish Beaver Forum, which includes farming, fishing, conservation interests, is to work and identify different land management options that will reduce these conflicts. So yeah, there's a twin track there, we've got translocation across the whole of Scotland as an important step forward, but we are also working through the Scottish Beaver Forum to look at different land management options that will reduce conflicts with beaver in the longer term. I think the question on incentivisation is really interesting, and where I see that going is on the discussions that we're having at the moment about replacement for the EU agricultural subsidy scheme known as the the Common Agricultural Policy, or CAP. And what we want to see in terms of that replacement is a scheme for land managers, farmers, crofters, which incentivises biodiversity in all its forms. Those discussions are are, at a very early stage, but if we're wanting to reward land managers, farmers, crofters, for the great work that they do for nature, then it strikes me that actually thinking about how they support different species is is part of that.
1: Do you think shooting of beavers is going to go on indefinitely? Or is that always going to be part of the landscape? Because it does distress a lot of people that this is happening.
3: Yeah, and I understand that it distresses people and will we ever be able to have a regime which doesn't have lethal control i don't know at the moment richard i hope we could significantly reduce lethal control but we have to recognize that some of the the conflicts are quite severe some of the damage incurred is quite severe but i mentioned earlier that the twin track approach so we have now the options around translocation. We're also working through the Scottish Beaver Forum to trial different ways of ensuring that beavers and people can coexist. I think also we have raised awareness of the benefits, biodiversity, natural flood management, improved water quality. As all of these issues are heightened, including through this podcast, then I think that begins to change a bit of the perspective around beaver. But we should also recognise that in extreme cases, as with other species, there might need to be, as a last resort, lethal control. But we are deploying all the tools in the toolbox that we have before we get to that stage.
1: So what do beaver conservationists
0: such as Tom Bowser make of the new plans for beaver translocation? We've got the kit dependency season coming up when beavers won't be shot. So we've got a bit of time, but I think we do need to be looking to get beavers on the move and away from conflict areas by the end of the summer. And I think we have to give Nature Scott the space to do that um, because they do have a government mandate now where things before were a bit confused were beavers protected were they not but now it's very clear that the Scottish government want beavers to be translocated across Scotland to new areas so I hope we can get them on the move I think we have to get the Cull numbers down and get them to new places suitable territories as quickly as we can
1: What kind of sums of money do you think need to be thrown at this?
0: We've just had the first 2045 beaver strategy group meetings and it's very clear that there's a big issue there where people have had beaver problems for quite a long time and they feel that those issues haven't been addressed financially and it's very hard for people to live alongside these animals when they're just expected to forgo a chunk of their income. So the Scottish Government, really, they need to get their act together now and think about how people are going to be incentivised to live alongside beavers. That's a real issue, I think.
1: And when you talk about a chunk of their income, the effects of beavers on a farm can be quite dramatic.
0: Absolutely. I mean, beavers can have huge impacts, and we know that. Um, There's a side of it that I think maybe some of the conservation sector haven't really picked up on, that, you know, Just expecting people not to farm to the water's edge is the equivalent of saying to someone, you can't use half of your office space just because something's happened that's not in your control. We're going to take that away from you and you have to live with it, which just doesn't wash. We need to make it possible financially for people to live alongside them, otherwise things are never going to get better.
1: So incentives, compensation, something like that?
0: I would like to see incentives for people to live alongside beavers. Compensation can be a bit of a slippery slope, a difficult one to figure out but some kind of incentives that encourage people to have beavers on their land where possible is I think what we need to get to.
4: They're settling already you know I'm sitting watching a yearling that's grooming itself by the side of its new home and yeah what more can you want.
1: Dr Rasheen Campbell Palmer was releasing the new family at Argety. She's been at the heart of Scotland's beaver story helping farmers and doing hands-on trapping and translocation for more than a decade. Does she think what Francesca Ososka is saying is enough to save our beavers from the bullet?
4: Some of the messages coming from both Scott government and Nature Scott are very positive. It's definitely a different place than where we were even a year ago. So there's definitely feels like there's a positive steer to look at translocations in Scotland rather than maybe just leaving some farmers with the only option of lethal control. So I think it's very positive. The time scale is interesting for translocations. I guess there's two things in that. We're coming to the natural end of this translocation season, which is the end of March. Then I guess we take the break for the kit dependency period. This is what is also going to be the time that the strategy is supposed to be being brought together. We've had very uh, engaging workshops. Um, with a broad range of stakeholders, so I'd be hoping that these uh, re- whole range of views come together to produce a really robust and pragmatic strategy, and that is crucial for going forward. If we can do this during the summer period, and then start with the next translocation season in August, that would be a huge positive. Resources are absolutely key. Any beaver mitigation or management strategy, it absolutely needs funding. I guess the government haven't put actual numbers on this and there's some concern in some of the landowning community that maybe the budgets aren't there for the long term. I think we really have to get around this and I'm hoping the strategy will really put some numbers to this but also you know, a pragmatic way forward that people can follow. I mean, this is key. If we can't get this strategy together this summer, I would have concerns about how we move forward with wider beaver restorations in Scotland.
1: And as far as compensation or incentives for landowners, we're talking about waiting until we've resolved the replacement for CAP.
4: These things will absolutely take time and in the meantime we know on the ground both there's a conflict situation in some areas and there's beavers that would need to be translocated sooner rather than later. So time is of the essence here. Um, We can translocate some animals now. You know, There's very positive projects in England and Wales, but this isn't really answering the problem of what we do in Scotland. And if we want to see this species restored, we have to, everyone has to get their act together and see how are we going to do this. Um, I absolutely believe the landowning community should be supported in this. And it's down to you know our politicians, to some of the statutory bodies to really get their heads around how we do this. You know, we don't have years in this process. These animals either need move now or uh, farmers need help now. So what we're we going to do would be the wider question. There must come a point where, you know, we can trap more animals than there's release sites. So if we don't have the release sites, well, you know, I'd be looking at the landowners and saying, you know, with them, what options do you have? So they might have to go back to lethal control. So I just think there has to be a a wider thinking and marrying up of, yes, you can promote translocation. But the ultimate question is, if there's no homes for these animals to go, then we have to think about what happens to them. And that goes back with the landowners experiencing those issues. So it's not our fault or reflection of them, but if they don't have the option to translocate, then you know we could be back to lethal control.